Today's episode of Titus and Tate is brought to you by Coors Light. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash TNT. Please celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. On today's episode of Titus and Tate, it is our NBA draft preview. Would you believe it, Tate? The draft Can't believe it. Is this Thursday? Mm-hmm. Snuck up on us. Yeah. Do, 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 do we need more time? On the one hand, I think we do because I'm still kind of like soaking in the the finals. The the Warriors just had their parade, and you're kind of, um, or at least I was. I was watching that and, and, and shout out to Clay Thompson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. American hero. Uh, I, I I'm a, I'm absorbing all that content. Um, to where it feels like the draft is too soon and I need more time, more runway. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, in preparation for this show, I have listened to every podcast I've read. <laughs> I, <laughs> every Everything there is to read, I feel, and my brain's going to explode yeah. from, from draft content. We crammed so maybe, for the test and now we're freezing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I forget who's even in the draft. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe we don't need more time between the uh, into the finals but, of the draft. But, but the, the good news is that we don't have to cram because we yep. watch these guys all season long in college basketball. So that is the good news. We do have a bit of an advantage there, even though the draft experts will not like you to know this. Yep. They do not want you to know that we have theoretically watched more than they have. We have. Don't and, say that. And uh, so today we're going to be discussing uh, Colin Gillespie, Johnny Juzang, yes. uh, whether they will go in the top five, top ten, mm-hmm. where we see. <laughs> where does Alondis Williams go? I see late first round. <laughs> How many Indiana Hoosiers <laughs> will be taken in the uh, first round of the Jake LaRavia <laughs> top five pick in my book? Jake LaRavia, I'm excited to talk about Jake LaRavia. Oh, uh, we have <laughs> Sam Vicini on the show. Uh, if if you follow NBA draft stuff, you uh, you already know who Sam Vicini is. If you do not, um, and you good for you, sh- yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you listen to the show, you also already know who Sam Vicini is because we have him on all the time. And Sam is the the preeminent NBA draft expert. He's the guy that knows everything. Uh, he he literally just posted his 90,000. I'm not making this up. I, I'm This is direct from his tweet. I, we'll, we'll get an official uh, <laughs> count on the uh, the first draft of this, but he said it was 90,000 words, the final copy of his draft guide for this year. 90,000 words. Which, let's be honest, what, 3% of the population reads books? I cannot, <laughs> that's a book, dude. That is, a, I mean, that is beyond. I mean, that's an encyclopedia of basketball, um, but he should have gone for 100,000. I, th- yeah. I think if you're that close... <laughs> And who's really reading it anyway? Just throw in some extra words. Like all you have to it's do true. is throw one in one like in for every very. single page. We need more varies. varies. Yes. <laughs> he is very, 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 very athletic. <laughs> very athletic. <laughs> Sprinkle more of those in. Uh Sam, Sam uh uh writes for the athletic. Uh yeah, he posted that. He's he's a great friend of ours. He's come on the show uh every iteration of the show that we've had. He's he's been our our guy we turn to for the draft. So um, He came on teed up. I think he did. I think he did. I th- I think he did. I think he did. We'll check. We'll check the tape. So uh, that's what we're doing today. We're gonna we're gonna talk to Sam. We're gonna ask him questions such as who is going number one in this draft, who is going number two in this draft, mm. who is going number three, who's going number four, <laughs> who is going number five. And we're gonna hold him to it because if it doesn't happen, we're gonna have to put him on the fraud power rankings uh, if none of these things come true. And most importantly, who's going number six to the Indiana <laughs> Pacers? Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna throw some stuff like that on. So if you if you love the NBA draft, you are going to absolutely love the show. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't love the draft, uh, maybe maybe after we say goodbye to Sam, Tate and I will solve MJ versus LeBron once mm. and for all. Well, speaking of LeBron, if you're looking for your Shabazz <laughs> Napier in this draft, I mean, we're gonna talk about that. I'm sure at some point, you know, the the random guard that nobody wants that LeBron loves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> who did LeBron tweet about? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So without further ado, that's it. That's uh, we're gonna we're gonna welcome Sam on right out of the gate. We're gonna talk NBA mm. draft with uh, Sam Vicini for a little while and uh, see where this thing goes. All that coming up. But first, Woody Durham. All right, let's get into it. We are uh, joined now by uh, Sam Vecini, longtime friend of the program. He's uh, he, he's been coming on the show. To, you, you were you were coming on our shows when we were doing ringer shows for sure. I can't remember. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Yeah, he came into the the studio. We were, yeah, yeah we, we've been doing this a long time. Um, <laughs> a lot of drafts. I, I yeah. think that I well, I, well, no, I think I killed the ringer show because I, I think I was on the last one. Oh, that's right. That's right. He was, <laughs> yeah. There you go. That, that's a that's yeah. a RIP uh, one shining podcast. Bit of trivia. Sam Vecini was the final guest on the uh, the one shining podcast. Uh, you can listen to his podcast, and you should. You should probably just stop listening to ours right now and just go listen to Sam's. If you're into the NBA draft, you should be listening to Sam's already. Game theory. Uh, he hosted with with Matt Penny, um, fellow walk on by the way, Matt mm. Penny, uh, UMass legend. Uh, also writes for the Athletic, where he today. You tweeted Sam that it was ninety thousand words. What was the what was the first draft uh, word count of the draft guide this year? Like ninety five, something like that. <laughs> Not crazy. I mean, it was. I send it off to the editors. I just kind of write a bunch of words, and they end up publishing it. I don't really know. <laughs> I, I, once I send it off, I don't really know how it works. I'm just like, go for it. Do, do with this what you will. Yeah. Sam, how close were you as you looked at the word count and you saw 95,000? Do you say to yourself, I could add in 5,000 more words. I could get to six figures. I could get to 100,000. Was we, that on your we, mind we or do you have too much respect for the game? You're like, I've said all I need to say at this point. Yeah, because we could have photoshopped uh, uh, your head on Wilt. Yes, 100,000. <laughs> <laughs> Last year's was like one in twenty. It was bad. Oh, it was uh, yeah, it was way too many. Better draft. Better draft. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As I've been pulled in a number of different directions this year in terms of work and in terms of, uh, you know, the podcast, you know, being successful on some level now, uh, it takes uh, a bit more of my time. So I wasn't able to wasn't able to get to a hundred. I guess I only got to ninety. Half-assed effort from Sam <laughs> this year. So we were just going to add in like some varies and likes. We were willing to go back and do that for yeah. you, but you know, yeah. it's all good. He's it's very, good. very yeah, good. All right, let's let's get into it. Let's uh, let's talk uh, NBA draft, and we have to start with a question that haunted Tate and I mm. all season. Uh, it, it was a college basketball question that is now, as as this this draft class is going on to the NBA, is becoming uh, a, an NBA draft question. It is who is the Kevin Durant of this mm. draft? And we have our we oh, have God. we have Jabari, we have Chet, <laughs> we have Paolo, we have Patrick Baldwin, we have John Butler, mm-hmm. we have Amani Bates who's not in this draft, but I'm throwing him in there anyway. Um, who who is the because uh, we, we, we heard all season watching college basketball. That all of these guys were somehow Kevin Durant's yes. of college basketball. They were all Kevin Durant's, but which one is the the one Kevin Durant amongst all the others? It does More the so one have to go to to be like Kevin Durant? Ooh, great question, Tate. <laughs> Ooh, if you put it like that, look, I think Chet Holmgren right now is the betting favorite to go number two. So it's got to be Chet Holmgren, right? Mm. Uh, there we go. He has very the skinny. length. Yep. Is, He's very skinny. He has the Kevin Durant length, right? Uh, whereas Jabari Smith's arms aren't crazy long. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
both of them can shoot really well. Jabari's probably a little bit better of a shooter. I mean, look, John Butler making a case, 174 he's, pounds at seven foot one. Like it's a great case. We talk about we talk about Kennedy Chandler being too skinny and too small to play point guard. Kennedy Chandler is like two pounds lighter <laughs> than John crazy. Butler, despite being a foot shorter. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, let, let's, uh, so obviously I, I think most people that are interested in this draft are interested at the very top. Like it's one of those drafts where we don't know who's going to go number one per se. Um, and my question to you, Sam, cause I, I know you've talked about what the magic are going to do at number one, 10 million times. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're I, I think you've officially fully got all your hedges in place. I think you fully have, uh, have, have talked about all the top three guys enough that, that no matter what happens, you're, you're good. But I, I want to ask you this because Paolo, I, I just find like the 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 way we've been talking about these guys fascinating because it felt like it was Chet and Jabari for the longest time. I think that's what that you, that's, those are the top two on your big board. I heard you say it's one A one B for you, um, and Paolo's like the third guy. Not that he's you know that much farther behind, but he's just like not yeah. probably going number one. But then in the last couple of days, the odds of Paolo going to to Orlando. Are, are moving very, very quickly. And there's a lot of smoke there. But then at the same time, we know how the draft works, Sam. There's a lot of smoke screens. There's a lot of fuckery, mm. especially at the top. Mm. Um, so how do we how do we suss this out? Is like Paolo, is, 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 does he have a legitimate chance? Are the Magic, have the Magic already, did you, in your mind, do you think they've already decided who they want? And they're just like now saying like, let's just like muddy the waters and maybe we get someone to overpay for the top pick and we'll take, you know, the second or third guy. Um, how, how do you see all that? I think that they're happy that the waters are muddy. Uh, like, I don't think that bothers them at all. Whether or not they've made a decision at this point, I think that as of this past weekend uh, or like late last week, they had not. But, you know, teams Monday and Tuesday of draft week really tend to focus on finalizing their board. And then Wednesday and Thursday tends to be a little bit more about taking calls, seeing what's available, seeing, you know, what players could move. And then, on Thursday, potentially finalizing deals, they come available. So uh, I would imagine that at some point soon, Orlando will have a very clear option on who they're going to take. And, you know, look, do I think that Paulo has a chance? I think it's a lot more split among NBA people that work for front offices than what the odds previously indicated. I think that it was like, Jabari at one point was like minus 500, which was a crazy number given what I had kind of been told. And then Chet Holmgren, I think is, you know, something like two to one now, three to one. Paulo was all the way up at 18 to one in some books, wow. uh, 12 to one in other books. And I think that it was just a value-based proposition for a number of betters. Like, Hey, this guy is legitimately a top three player in this class. There is a real split uh, among people who have him as a number one overall pick candidate and the number one overall player in this draft. So I think that it's possible that there were quite a few bets placed early on just based on a value perspective. And then a lot of people kind of jumped on board after trying to ride the steam and ride the wave of the Paulo Bancaro yeah. at number one uh, value train. But I still have Jabari Smith as the favorite. Uh, I still have Chet Holmgren as the number two guy, and I still follow at number three. 
And Sam, you know John Hammond, and John Hammond famously took Thon Maker number 10, right? And I think a lot of people look at that and they say, how is that even possible? And there's one word, and it's wingspan. And everyone that makes a draft guide, they love wingspan. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when did that start? When did we start putting wingspan in it, the uh, it's, breakdowns? It's number two attribute, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like scoring wingspan. Yeah. But if you don't do it, like you're you're insane. Like if Sam, if you push your your draft guide, I'd be like, what? Where's what? the wingspan? I don't I don't give a damn about their height and weight, Sam. What is their wingspan? Hand for size God's and wingspan. Yeah. Um, but oh, uh, legit, yeah. Like I used to like get like I used to do a thing where in the green room when I worked at CBS when we did our live show there, I'd have people like ask me questions on wingspan and like we didn't actually place bets at that point on whether or not I'd get them right, but. I could often get them right within like a quarter to a half an inch of wingspan. Yeah. I don't think I'm as good at it anymore, but it's, uh, it's important for NBA front offices trying to project, uh, any sort of upside and it's just hard to play in the NBA I love long it, arms because it, John, of the whole thing. But, but John Hammond would be the best at that game. If anyone asked him a wingspan, he would tell he would tell you exactly there. He's wingspan. like a carny. He's yeah. like, I can, I can that, catch this, your height. This is what this man does. <laughs> so, so how, how crazy that's why when I think of this draft and I think of Chet Holmgren, I can't imagine you, you use in your draft guide. He is unique. And like, we hear unique a lot, but he is yeah. unique. Is he officially unique. a unicorn, Sam? Would you say <laughs> a unique, <laughs> a unicorn? Well, you know, there are like 45 unicorns. Yes, in the NBA exactly. Now, so. he's, he's one of 45. <laughs> yeah, Where is he? Is he tier one, tier two, tier three for you? Unicorn? No, I'm kidding. Shut How, up. You know, I'd say a tier two A unicorn. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, like that sounds that. about right. So above Porzingis, you know, that's if, if we're talking right. about the Greenberg tiers, I would say he's like a yeah. tier two A unicorn, uh, you know, uh, team in college basketball in the Big 12. There we go. The perfect. Done. How can he got not go number one, though? That, that's really like the roundabout way of asking it because we as Titus said there's a lot of smoke screens I heard he had a great workout for them and at the end of the day you have tendencies and if your tendency is to like wingspan how can you not take Chet Holmgren number one that that's how I feel and you have him number one on your big board yeah if it was me personally I would take Chet if only because I Mm. would be terrified of passing on Chet yes anyone you talk to about Chet Holmgren, it's just like this guy is elite of the elite in terms of character. He is elite of the elite in terms of work ethic, professionalism. He's a competitor. Like you guys watched him all year. He's Mm -hmm. 190 pounds. That dude doesn't back down from anybody. He's actually a pretty effective post defender, despite the fact that he's as skinny as he is. Just because A, he's so long and B, like he just fights and battles and claws. And you really worry on some level about like, okay, are NBA officials going to, treat him you know well early Mm -hmm. on i think as he gets and gains core strength he's going to be a really really effective defender he has some of the best defensive anticipation uh for what opposing players are going to do uh just coming from the help side that i've ever seen look if i was orlando i would take the plunge and take chet i understand that they need a legit scorer it feels like they need another guy who isn't just like a piece of being a great team. You know, they have Franz Wagner, Jalen Suggs on some level didn't quite work out as well as I think they hoped in his rookie season. So if you're looking at Jabari Smith versus Chet Holmgren, you look at Jabari Smith, and I think that you see a guy that can potentially be your primary scorer. I don't know that I'm quite there with Jabari Smith, unfortunately. And because of that, I actually like him 
more is like a number two option. I like Chet mm-hmm. and Jabari more as number two offensive options. And, you know, in Chet's case, like one of the best defenders in the NBA, I think. Mm. And then I like, uh, you know, Paulo, maybe, maybe Paulo has the best chance to be a number one option in the NBA, but I don't know if he can be the number one option on a title team. Yeah. So I think that Jabari and Chet are maybe just a little bit more scalable to winning situations. Whereas Paulo, you know, he's going to be a great player. I think he's probably going to be an all-star at some point. I'm not entirely sure if he scales as well as we move up the ladder to being like a number two option on a great right. team as Jabari and Chad. Yeah. He's got to be the guy like to me, to me, the case for Paolo going number one is, is like old school thinking of, he just looks like a number one guy and he's the guy. He thinks he's the number one pick. Yeah. And that's a big part of being number one, being able to yeah. shoulder that burden of being number one. It's kind of why Cade got the argument last year over Jalen green. And and Chet is, Chet is kind of like the, the new wave of thinking about basketball. Which is like, like, like if, if if this draft was like 2003, Chet might not go top ten. <laughs> Chet might not, you know, like you because you just don't think like. But you, you take the guy in Paolo who has the ball in his hands at all times, making all these plays. You you, you run his highlight reel over and over of him, like mm-hmm. with his spin move and dunking on people at Duke. Um, but you know, it's 2022. I I've talked myself into Chet too. I I'm I'm glad we're all three in agreement. I think Chet. Uh, I I I think like. Everyone talks about his floor and that like Paolo's got this high floor because he, he we, we've seen how good of a scorer he is and and um, he can create so much offense and everything. I think Chet like defensively he's going to be worst case scenario. Chet Holmgren's going to be one of the best defenders in the NBA. Worst case scenario, and that's like and, and he doesn't give you a ton offensively. Say um, he's averaging like twelve points a game and he's the he's the best defender in the NBA. And that's like the worst case scenario of Chet Holmgren. He could be and getting you triple good. doubles with blocks. For God's sakes, Marcus Smart won the Defensive Player of the Year. Is Chet Holmgren better than Marcus Smart defensively today? Right this second? <laughs> right this second. I think he might be. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's so here's what I'll say on the case that you made a minute ago about, you know, Paulo looks like a number one overall pick, right? You guys have seen Paulo in person. He is enormous. Mm-hmm. Like, I, Chet is tall. Paulo is just huge. And then you watch him like play basketball at that size. He looks like a number one overall pick. Like mm-hmm. everything that that dude does uh, in terms of the way that he moves, his footwork, his fluidity, he's like six foot 10, 250, 245 pounds, something like that. He looks like an NBA player already. He has incredible polish. The people that watch him like in a workout setting, they're just like, look, it's hard to look past this guy on Mm -hmm. some level, right? Like he is just so big and so skilled and so uh, fluid. It's easy to envision him as just being the guy that looks like the number one overall pick. For me, I have Chet just a little bit higher because I love the way his defense, uh, I think, is going to translate to the NBA. I totally agree with you. I think that the worst case scenario is this guy is one of the best defensive players in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good. That's where you want to be. And Sam, it does feel like everyone in the draft community, they have decided, I mean, as as it kind of is, is the three-man race for the number one pick. But I think I have two guys that if you, like you said, you look at and you're enamored by and you're like, oh my God, this guy's unbelievable. Jaden Ivey is one of those guys where if I had the number one pick, 
I, I'm intrigued by him and talk about getting what if, downhill. What talk if you about had the a guy, number six pick? <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll get to the number six pick, but like <laughs> Ivy's a guy that I would throw in that conversation that I'm like, I, I got to really think about him. And then the youngest player that's probably going to get drafted, Jalen Duran. When I look at the frame of this guy and I look at, we talk about ceilings. Everyone talks about ceilings. He blows wait, my wait, mind. Jalen Duran's top five in your big board? He's top five on my big board. Wow. And I wanted to ask Sam how Ooh, crazy wow. that is. <laughs> well, Wow. Hold hold on. Hold hold on here. Those the are those are my five those are my is... five guys that I'm like I'm like bring all those five in. We'll work them out. And I think Ivy and Durant are the two guys I come away Call with. Call them out, Sam. Call them out. Those are the two guys I come this, away this with. This is Tate. This I is Tate playing chess as opposed to checkers <laughs> because We'll see Jalen Durant. to be ahead of the game. He wants to be ahead of the game for when Charlotte takes Jalen Durant <laughs> yeah, yeah, at number thirteen. Don't trade him. And wants to Don't be, trade I him. Was, I had him at number five from the jump. <laughs> yeah, right. trade him. Yeah, right. <laughs> Great to get a top five talent at thirteen. We, yeah, we we see where this is going, Tate. We know, but no, I I really agree with Jaden Ivy. I have him in my top tier along with those guys. I have him just like a little bit below yeah. uh, Paulo at the end of the day at number three, but I think he's more in their group than he is uh, in the group below with Keegan Murray and Jalen Duran and all of those guys. Uh, his athleticism is insane. Like there are moments where this dude just decides, Oh yeah. Like you're in good defensive position at the point of attack. I'm just going to run around you now. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to like literally just decide, oh, no, it's time. Like, I'm just going to get into the paint. There's nothing you can do about it, for sure. Uh, if you get him more into open spaces within the NBA, I think that he is genuinely going to really explode out in transition in a really tangible way, yeah. I think. I I, uh, I said all year I felt like Jaden Ivey was overrated as a college player and underrated as an NBA prospect because – um, I yeah. just just the system and the 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 guys he was playing alongside at Purdue weren't exactly. <laughs> the, 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 it's not a system that's going to give you a great idea of what he's going to be at the NBA level, other than those moments where, like you said, he just like takes a defender head on, full head of steam, and finishes at the rim and uh, just displays how how athletic he is. But having Zach Eady clogging up the paint at all times, <laughs> it's not exactly <laughs> conducive to getting the best out of Jaden Ivey. Um, so I I I, I I'm going to say it. I'm just gonna get excited. I, I'm in the moment and I'm feeling it. I think Jaden Ivey's the best player in the draft. Mm. I, I, you can't take him number one because like you got to not get fired if you're a GM. But I think Jaden Ivey's gonna be the best player. I just want I just want that so, on record. So I'm the most excited so about boys, him. I, I just want to be clear. We're on person number two that Titus has said. You know, yes. he, he's my guy in this yes. class at number one. <laughs> yes. I want to see how many guys we can get to. Let's here. keep it going. We got plenty of time. Four or five. I think Jabari is number one as well. There's Sam. I'm like a I'm like a college basketball recruiting service. I got a lot of number one guys. All right. As it turns out. As it turns depends out. Depends on the day. Depends on what day. It depends on and who's, who's asking. Me. Yeah. It depends on whose agent I talk to before we start recording. It's a Nike or Under Armour call. Uh, no, I'm I'm Galaxy Brain in it too, Sam, because I I I so badly want the Pacers to just do whatever it takes to get Jaden Ivey because he's an Indiana kid. Um, he's he's not an Indianapolis kid. He's from South Bend and uh, uh, you know, went to West Lafayette for for school. But uh, it, what's the difference? I want the Pacers to do whatever it takes to take Jaden Ivey. Um, that that's so. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about like some of the inflection points in this draft as we're trying to like 
figure out what's going to transpire on Thursday. So number one, we talked about already. That's going to be interesting. That's not set in stone yet. But it does feel like the the race for number one, if it's if it's Jabari versus Paolo, it feels like number two, if Chet Holmgren's available, it's going to be like an Aiden Hutchinson situation at the NFL draft where Oklahoma City like is on the clock for three seconds and they take Chet. Is that correct? Look, if if the betting markets end up being, you know, on the money here with Paulo in some way that, you know, reporters and others haven't been clued into yet, uh, it would be Jabari versus Chet at number two. I think that would be a real conversation for Oklahoma City, and I can absolutely oh. see a world where Jabari Smith goes number oh, two. Oh, so if Paolo goes uh, one, Jabari could then, yeah, go to Be the one. next Kevin Durant. Right. Okay. Interesting. Could then be the next Kevin Durant. That's yeah, right. It's always go. the guy who goes number two. <laughs> uh, and then at number three, you would have Houston, and Houston just moved Christian Wood. I think they're probably just going to take the big that falls right. uh, almost regardless here. Uh, there was some smoke that they liked Jaden Ivy early in the process and had this idea of creating like the most athletic backcourt in the NBA between him and Jalen Green. But I'm a little bit skeptical on that. I, I think that you know you move Christian Wood in order to like foster this incredible uh, front court and find minutes for everyone once you draft this guy at number three, regardless of who it is. So uh, I think that that is probably the way this goes down. And then, you know, the main inflection point here is number four. Yeah. I can't get anyone who says like what the Kings are actually going to (laughs) do. I do think if they stay, they are a real threat to take Keegan Murray at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, They love Keegan Murray. (laughs) Keegan Murray makes a lot of sense for them. Yeah. Yeah. Like Keegan Murray, I guess, you know, according to Chris Haynes, had dinner with Damana Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. That doesn't happen all that often where like a team is just like, hey, go out with our two best players for dinner. Uh, it's, it's almost like a recruiting visit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have a guy go out on campus, like to a party with like the two best players on the team. And that's how you get them <laughs> to commit to your school. Yep. Like, you know, that that's a little bit abnormal for the NBA. But the Kings have had trouble getting guys in to come and work out for them. Come and yeah, visit what what, them, what is that? Because so. I saw I saw Jaden Ivey, who uh, the way people talk about this draft is that those those are the you have the, you have your big three, and then number four. Most people seem to agree that Jaden Ivey is the fourth best player in this draft. Um, so you would assume the Kings are going to take Jaden Ivey, but he straight up said, "I've not interviewed, I've not talked to them, I've not mm-hmm. worked out for them, I've not, I, I I do not have their number. They don't have mine." Yeah. Um, is that <laughs> if we're reading those tea leaves? Is that Sacramento's not interested in Jay Nivey because they're they're locked in on Keegan Murray, or is it that Jay Nivey and his camp are saying, "Please, for the love of God, <laughs> let's just not answer the call when yeah. it comes in for Sacramento because let's try to stay as far the Kobe, away from this the place Kobe as we action. can." He's yeah. like, "We will not play here." <laughs> I think it's more the latter probably than the former because this team has Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox already. They also traded uh, Tyrese Halliburton. In general, the Kings are seen by agents as an organization that is not the most stable in the world. And Mm -hmm. when you're trying to decide, if you're trying to like, you know, get your client to a different situation or you're trying to get your clients to the most advantageous situation, you know, it feels like the Kings are rarely the one that team, that agencies want their client to go to because you never know what the situation is going to look like 
two years down the line. Like Tyrese Halliburton did everything right from a prospect perspective. He was what, like the third best player in that draft? And they traded him within a year and a half. So I, I think that, you know, it, it's complicated when trying to figure out, uh, you know, what guys are interested in playing for the Kings. And at the end of the day, I think they'll just take whoever they want to take, whether or not they came in and worked out for them or not. That's a, that's a shame. And they might Sharp. trade him. I mean, it might want to be, be one of those things where they're like, we like Murray, but we might take Ivy just you, you to take Shaden Sharp. That, that's the move for the Kings. That's <laughs> yeah. that, like, that just feels right to me as a, as a, as a neutral observer, just like yeah. send Shaden Sharp to the Kings let, let, or let Dyson Daniels. Yeah. yeah. Dyson one or the other. Daniels. Don't, no, no, don't, don't put my uh, Australian. If you play on the Ignite team, you have to go to the Kings. <laughs> I was talking, I was talking to Tate. Uh, if you want to hear Sam talk about all his Aussies, go listen to him on Rosillo. They, 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 they went through all the Aussies. And, uh, <laughs> that's not what we're doing on this program. I was telling Tate off air, we need to, uh, NBA needs a supplemental draft where all the, mm. the G League Ignite types can go uh they can go get drafted in that draft that's what the g league ignite should quit clogging up my draft i don't quit clogging up my big boards with g league ignite guys that's what i'm saying that's my plea to oh, to the draft industry it, and next year we're getting overtime elite guys with the thompson twins that are going to get packed disgusting get yeah, gross. Jay Gortman, i disgusting. think it stands to be uh we're gonna have all victor Wembanyama next year internationals yeah I don't know, man. I like the internationals. No, no shade to the internationals. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird because the internationals, <laughs> like when I think about the current crop of superstars in the NBA, the only likable guys are international players. And yet my dumb pea brain, when it comes time for the draft, <laughs> like if the, if the Pacers draft, like what's the the Osman guy? Who's he? Osman. Usman Jang. Us, yeah. Usman, yeah, if the Pacers draft that guy, I'm going to throw my remote at them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be like, who the hell is this guy? He didn't ever. Johnny <laughs> Davis is right there. <laughs> I've he never averaged 20 in the big <laughs> yes, 10. Yes. He didn't have to yes. deal with Matt Painter's defense yes. every night. Drew has he guarded Drew Timmy in the low post? No, <laughs> then get him out of my face. I don't I don't I don't need this guy on my team. Um can can we can I selfishly ask you about the Pacers for a second at number six? Is there yeah. Is there any hope whatsoever that they get Jay? Is there any hope that they do something right here? Like, I, I want Jaden Ivey. I, I don't know. Like, like I guess that's the question is how badly does everyone else want Jaden Ivey? Because is, is there a world where the Pacers could trade with the Kings? Is there a world where I, I saw the Knicks are interested in Ivey? Um, <laughs> it just all like makes too much sense to me that Jaden Ivey belongs in an Indiana Pacers uniform. I know it's not going to happen, but just humor me for a second, Sam. Like, is there any world where the Pacers can find a way to say Jay Nivey's name on draft night. Malcolm Brogdon. Oh, if, if I was them, I'd be trying to go up to four as much as I could. Like, I, I think it's a perfect fit. I, I'm absolutely with you. Uh, I would absolutely adore watching a Tyrese Halliburton, Jaden Ivey backward. Mm -hmm. Like that is, that is like almost a dream outcome to me that or watching a Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey backward. Yeah. Right? That's so what I want. I, I'm completely, yeah, I'm completely with you. Like, I would hope that the Pacers are able to swing something. And for what it's worth, I will tell you, like, you talk to anyone in the league right now, agency people, people who work for teams, they say the Pacers are among the most active teams in the league. Yes. With the most kind of balls <laughs> in the air. Like, Let's see those balls, baby. Things like they they could move <laughs> the vets, they could move uh you know, the picks that I think they want to, you know, 
maybe try and move up from 31 into the first round to try and get mm. an additional year of team control Let's go. on that first round pick as opposed to number 31 with second rounder. So uh, there, there are a number of uh, things going on, I think, with the Pacers. Whether or not they're able to get anything done, we'll see. I think that the price is very high for Sacramento, but... Uh, you know, I would expect we see the Pacers at least do something on draft. That's all I needed. I just needed to know that they're 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 anteing up, that they're stepping to the, mm-hmm. the plate here. I just I just don't. In, in my head, when the I saw on lottery night when the Pacers got the sixth pick, I was like, they are a hundred percent just going to take whoever the sixth, but whoever they think the sixth best player is, <laughs> that just falls to them, and then they're going to shrug their shoulders when it doesn't work out and be like, we tried, we couldn't. And I just want for one for once in my life, I want them to put their balls on the table and go for it, and that has me excited. So Brockton and Shaden Sharp for the fourth pick, Jaden Ivy. There you go. All right, send it, send it, send it back with Sabonis. Whatever it takes. Up. Yeah, make it happen. We need whatever it. it you need it. We all need it. <laughs> Quick break to get aware from our sponsors. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed. Your computers, tablets, phones, even your TV streaming devices, whether you're at home or in public, don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just like getting nine months for free. So go to IPVanish.com slash Titus and use promo code Titus and claim your 70% savings today. That's IPVanish.com slash Titus. And now a message from Discover about rewards. If you're a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something that's useful, like Cashback Match, for instance. Discover matches all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Also want to talk about our friends at SoFi. There's a lot of jargon flying around, whew, especially right now when it comes to investing. There's uh there's a lot of noise out there. We'll put it that way. Uh, you you don't have to uh, you don't have to be a person that's moving a lot of money around if you just pay attention to the news at all in any way, shape, or form. Surely, right now, you understand that it is a wild world of investing, and you need to cut through the jargon. Getting your money right is easier with SoFi, the first investing platform to offer stocks, ETFs, automated investing, and cryptocurrency too, all in one app. Whether you're eager to get started with investing or you already know the ropes and want to diversify your portfolio, SoFi has your back. No commissions on trading stocks and ETFs, plus no account fees or hidden fees. Use fractional shares that start as low as $5 to buy brand name stocks, even if you don't have a couple grand lying around. Complimentary financial planners are ready to help with any questions, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. Save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. Cut through the jargon. Make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash TNT and learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash TNT. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA CPIC. All investments involve risk, including the loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results or future performance. Also want to talk about, firstly, if it feels like you need a degree in grapes to find great wine, you can shop by label. Or try to remember what tannins are. I I've looked tan, tannins is one of those words <clears throat> that uh, you look up five hundred times. Tate, you find the definition. You're like, oh, cool. It's good to know what tannins are, and then you forget it thirty minutes yep. later. 
and you just got to look like it up that. again. That's why First Leaf does all the hard work for you. They make it simple to discover new wines you'll love without the hit or miss. First Leaf samples over 10,000 wines a year from around the world and selects only the finest bottles. They take the time to learn what you like and what you don't, then send you world-class wines tailored to your taste. So even if uh, you know part of you is a fraud and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretending to like wines I don't actually like when I go out in public, First Leaf... You don't have to be fraudulent at first. They'll, they'll, you just tell them what you like. They'll send you what you like. You don't have to go to the grocery and, and pretend to buy a bottle that your friend told you to buy, even though you don't actually like those kinds of wines. Let First Leaf do all the hard work for you. And if you're not happy with the wine received, First Leaf will credit you for another. It doesn't get any simpler than that. Sign up today and you'll get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash Tate. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash Tate. To get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping, try firstleaf.com slash date. Go do it now. Sam, can I ask you about big name guys that are falling? You know what I mean? A guy like Ty Ty Washington. Um, I feel like obviously a lot of people thought that he might be a lottery guy, but then they started crunching the numbers or some body fat percentages that came out that were, uh, weren't so favorable. Walker Kessler is another guy that, that fell or is falling a lot in at least the mocks that I've seen. So there, there any, Agbaji? Agbaji is out of the lotteries, 15, some some places they have him in early 20s. So is there any guys to you that you're like, yeah, flag this guy, he's falling quickly? Yeah, with Ty Ty, it's interesting. I can't really find the team that I trust is going to take him on draft night, I guess is what I would say. It, it's a, I, I'm a fan. Like I have, him as, I have him as a lottery grade. I have him as someone that I am, uh, a big fan of as a contributor to winning teams because his ability to pass, his ability to shoot. He shot 57% on floaters. He shot 59% between eight and 16 feet this year. But uh, I think teams have some questions about the athleticism. And then with Ochai, it feels like teams are just kind of like, okay, if he can't dribble and he doesn't make passing reads, is he just kind of a seventh man? Mm. And where do we just take like a seventh man wing? I have Ochai as a top 20 guy. I think he probably goes somewhere in the top 20, but I don't know if he's a lottery guy necessarily. Mm. That one hurts. That that's, hurts college that's basketball. Bad for college yeah, that, basketball. That, that's bad PR. We need, <laughs> yeah. we need him to go 14th. We need him to go lottery. <laughs> I don't like I don't like I don't like that at all. That's that's really, really not great for college basketball. Is Shaden Sharp, is that good for college basketball? Let's let, like if, if Shaden Sharp like if if Sharp ends up being a star, Cal's gonna claim him for sure and be like, I, that that'll I be did, the interesting you know? <laughs> part. That's the most fascinating part of it all. But <laughs> yeah, how, how does Cal claim Shaden Sharp? Is is he a, is he a non Kentucky guy or is he a Kentucky guy? Depending on how this whole thing goes yeah. down on Thursday. Oh my god. Uh, what, one guy I want to ask you about uh, stock falling, but what about stocks rising? Um, the other Jalen Williams, the 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 guy who played at uh, Santa Clara. Most people that follow college basketball. No, Jalen Williams at Arkansas. Who do the Celtics have a, a pick for that they could take Jalen Williams of Arkansas? Because I'm thinking like you put you put his <laughs> flopping next to Marcus Smart and Grant Williams. There, wow, that's a lot of Williams that's flopping. A, that's a title team right there. <laughs> they're winning the they're winning the finals. Um, but Jalen Williams of Santa Clara, who will probably I assume be the first Jalen Williams taken in this draft. I didn't watch every game, Sam. I only I only caught like ninety percent of his games this year. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing most of our our listeners. Uh, we're not exactly locked in on Santa Clara basketball. Where did this guy come from? Why is his stock 
exploding. Uh, he, he's going to be the guy that everyone's like college basketball fans watch the draft. You see, his, his, he he gets drafted in the first round. He's going to be the guy that everyone's scratching their head. All the college basketball fans, correct? Like, Especially when he goes 14th, as Sam has him projected before Agbaji. So he's a lottery pick before Agbaji. Is this good player. for college basketball? College basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is our Pac-12 update. Yeah, the guy at Santa Clara for sure. Uh, so. I think that the reason that he has risen so much, so first and foremost, he's a guy that committed to Santa Clara is like a six foot three guard, basically. And he took some time to develop as he continued to grow and grow into his frame. You know, he's now six foot six with a seven foot two wingspan and uses his frame and uses his ability to create shots off the bounce exceedingly well. Uh, he is a really great ball handler. He's a really uh, terrific shooter off the catch. He can do, he's just kind of a more versatile dribble pass shoot piece than what someone like Oshai Agbaji is. Now, Oshai is a much better athlete than Jalen Williams. I actually have these two right next to each other on my board and it feels like it's going in opposite directions. I completely agree with you where teams are excited about taking Jalen Williams. I don't know if they're that excited about taking Ochai Ogbaji at the end of the day, which is kind of a strange, you know, college basketball mm. thing where it's a culture war, Sam. Watch. It's culture war. Culture war, Sam. <laughs> it's a culture war. <laughs> yeah, like we we watched uh, we watched Ochai Ogbaji ball out in the Final Four, and you know, Jalen Williams was out here. You know what what postseason tournament did Santa Clara play in? Like the CBI right. or like some weird basketball tournament. So. It is a bit bizarre, but look, uh, I will tell you, like Jalen Williams, you know, has been out in Santa Barbara working out with a ton of other NBA prospects. And the consistent word I've gotten is like, he's been the best guy out there mm. uh, almost every day. Uh, he is completely uh, really shown up in a significant way. So I think more than anything, he's a physical late bloomer that grew from six foot three to six foot six, grew into his frame. And uh, I think the best basketball is ahead of him. Well, there you go. I mean, congratulations. That's a big win for Here, Santa Clara. Here's here's a win for college basketball. Stocks rising. Uh, the 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 two Arizona guys. Uh, th there's three that are that are noteworthy, but I, I'm assuming Coloco is going to be second round, early second round, something like that. Uh, but Dalen Terry, when he declared for the draft, I didn't think it was crazy. I I love Dalen Terry. I I absolutely adored watching Dalen Terry play basketball this year. Um, I just it, it never crossed my mind that he was a guy that NBA teams were were foaming at the mouth for. So when he declared for the draft, I was like, "Well, that's good. He's going to test the waters. He'll come back. He'll he'll be the best player on Arizona next year, and that'll be fun to watch uh, what Arizona can be next year with with him being the best guy." He stays in the draft, and I was like, "Okay, well, you know, maybe he's just a guy that just wants to start his NBA career. He'll go in the second round. He'll be happy, and and that'll be that." And now I look up and like Dalen Terry knocking on the door of lottery for some people. <laughs> he's mm. like, he's like very obviously first round for some people. Um, his, his stock just like every time I hit refresh on a, on a mock draft where the tears are someone else's, it's like Dalen Terry is, is going through the roof. Meanwhile, Matherin his teammate at Arizona. Um, sim like he, he was highly thought of before all this process started. You have him what fifth on your big board. Yeah. 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 He he he's another guy that like I I Pacers. I, I remember when I was saying I wanted the Pacers to take him at six. It felt like a little bit of a reach, like a month or ago, whenever the lottery happened. And now it's like, yeah, no shit, dude. If he's available, take him at sixth. Um, what is it about those two guys uh, that 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 stand out to you as to why they they continue to have their stocks rise? Yeah. So first and foremost, just from a college basketball perspective, 
I thought Arizona was the best team for the largest portion of last season. Uh, they were the team that I most enjoyed watching, and I thought that they had the best talent across mm-hmm. college basketball Same. between uh, Matherin, Dalen Terry, Tabellis, Christian Coloco, Kirk yep. Risa, you know, a number of their guys on the bench, obviously, Balo, uh, Adama Ball, et cetera, right? So, like, I've always been a really big fan of – Dalen Terry, and I always thought of him as a potential 2023 first round pick. Mm-hmm. We're in 2022 still. And I think that at the end of the day, what teams are just thinking about here with Dalen Terry is, well, we probably would have had him rated as a 2023 first round pick. He probably would have come back averaged 14 points, six assists, seven rebounds a game or something, and just completely balled out. Uh, he had like a three to one assist to turnover ratio. And as you guys know, it's not like Dale and Terry was playing low risk basketball. I mean, the guy no. is uh, no. a very energetic uh, guy who is throwing some pretty aggressive passes and making aggressive plays. I just look at the way that he is capable of affecting the game with his energy, his defensive uh, intensity, his disruptiveness. He's six foot seven with a seven foot one wingspan. Uh, he just has a lot of the tools that NBA teams are looking for. He fights through screens. He's good uh, in switch coverages defensively. He's good in drop coverages defensively. There are just a number of different uh, ways you can envision Dale and Terry working. It just all comes down to the shot. And most NBA teams think that as long as you have a baseline level of touch, they can fix the jumper. So mm-hmm. Dale and Terry already brings everything else uh, to the table from that perspective. He just needs to work on the shot. And I thought that there was an interesting stat I saw come across Twitter from Mike Procopio a couple of days ago, where like there are 510 players in the NBA. And only 108 of them average at least 10 shots per game. So the other 400 players in the league are not going to be guys that are asked to primarily score the basketball. That's a great point. Dale and Terry does everything else in terms of not scoring the basketball, right? Uh, He's a great defender. He's a great passer. He's a great playmaker. He's terrific in transition. It's just that, you know, he's going to have to work on the shot. And I think the team's just believe that they can get the shot to a baseline level to where when he's open on kickouts he can make one that's a great point though that that uh, i that i that's something that's so obvious but you you need to hear it going into a draft because i think like every every fan base wants their first round pick to be a guy that's going to average 15 points a game for him that's just how it has to be Mm -hmm. and then you start doing the math you're like that can't be it's kind of like in high school like you're like you'd have like three or four guys in your team they're like i'm going league and then your coach would eventually have a talk like one percent of the one (laughs) percent like you guys aren't gonna you know what i mean it's 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 that truth that needs to be heard sometimes where's bradley beal to yell at some college basketball the best college basketball example of it this year is with wake forest with alondis williams versus jake laravia right uh Alondis Williams won ACC player of the year this year, but I think is somewhat likely to go undrafted. Jake LaRavia was second team all ACC this year. Uh, terrific shooter, really smart processor of the game, uh, knows how to pass, knows how to play with teammates at a really high level, doesn't need the ball in his hands to be successful and to space the floor and to make an impact on the game. And he's going to go somewhere in the first round. Hell yeah, uh, let's I go. I think that, Hoosier. Yeah, He's look a at Hoosier, Indiana. Baby. Let's yep. go. Yeah. 
So they think he's from I Latvia. Think that's just so. like a really <laughs> Jake Jake Larevovich. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um. Uh, what what uh what what are who are the international guys? Like just very quickly. I know I know I, I, we don't really care, but like we just have to. Do I was gonna say, diligence. do you care about this? We don't. <laughs> just like give give people some names. So when we see them, we 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 know. Because well, one thing that stood out to me was there's a guy named Nikola Jovic. Yeah, my guy. Uh, yeah, who is not Jokic? It's not Nikola Jokic, and I I just feel like that guy's definitely doomed to fail. Like there's no way. Like if there's a guy named LeBron Jones that was coming out of a draft. Like you yeah. can't, there's no way mm-hmm. there's going to be two guys that are great that have the exact same name. Basically, <laughs> that just can't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, here's the crazy thing. So Nikola Jovic, he is he plays for the same pre-draft team that Nikola Jokic did, represented by the same agent. No, Nikola Jokic. I hate this. <laughs> is uh, and is one letter off in terms of name. Yeah, no, uh, Jovic is fine. He is a six foot eleven guy who can handle the ball. He can make high level passing reads. He's like a point forward. He can shoot. I have no idea who who's he defends at the unicorn. Next level, but, who's the guy? Who's the yeah. guy? Who's the guy we're going to like? Who, who's the international guy that like college basketball? Who, who's the, cause like I said, it's weird. Cause we, I, we can it's all Jake acknowledge. Jake Laravia. We just yeah, said it. We can all acknowledge yeah. that the international players at the NBA level are more fun to root for than the, than some of the American guys. But mm. so give us a guy that we can get excited <laughs> about that, that we think that we're going to care about. Is it Dyson Daniels? I think that there's an Italian kid named Matteo Spagnolo. <laughs> he is probably going to go in the second round. He is one of the most fun, like highlight players to watch. Okay. Uh, he is an incredible, like ball handler. He's a great pull up scorer. He makes like ridiculous, unbelievable uh, passing reads where he'll like throw it behind the back. And he's just like a really, really fun player to watch. So if he ends up being able to come over and like play in the NBA, I think he's likely to go somewhere in the second round. Th- that might be the guy that like college basketball fans would like. Okay. I don't know if college ball, college basketball fans would be like a fan of Usman Jang. I don't know if they'd be a huge fan of uh, Jovic. You know, I, th- those guys, they, they don't feel like college basketball. That's perfect. Fans. That's fine. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I need, I need help uh, making census from guys. So I, I make a list. I do this. I, I, I feel like I do this with you every year, Sam. I, I, I stare at yeah. some of these names on the big board. I talk myself in and out of them. Um, so I'm going to go through some of these guys that I, I, I just simply cannot make sense of. Uh, first of all, Max Christie. Um, I, I like him only because everybody else does. But like, honestly, if we weren't doing a public show and we were all just sitting around at my place, throwing back some beers, talking about it, I don't get it. I don't get Max Christie at all. Max Christie has never looked like an NBA, like like he's going to be very good in the NBA at any point in time that I've watched him. Um, he's he's a guard who can't shoot from my from what I've seen. He can't. He didn't really like. It wasn't like he averaged like eight assists a game or anything. I think he averaged like less than two assists a game. He's, so he's not like yeah. setting people up. Um, he wasn't awesome defensively. And I felt like honestly, when I look back on this Michigan State season, the reason Michigan State wasn't as good as they hoped they would be was honestly not to point fingers, but Max Christie, it's your fault because <laughs> like if Max Christie was, if he was as good as like Joshua Langford, say. I think the Michigan State team was national title good. I really think like they had a bunch of like role guys and they needed like Max Christie to actually be a five star, the five star yeah. first round guy. So I, after watching him this year, I was like, all right, well, he's obviously not going to be that. And then he's now still being talked about like a, he's, he's for sure going to be drafted in the first or, you know, early second. 
Why? What? What is it, Sam? I uh, make it make sense. So yeah, sometimes teenagers just don't make shots, and evaluators just strongly believe that they will shoot eventually. And you know, it, Mark, you you know shooting as well as anyone. You, like Sam. you are someone that that was the whole that was the whole appeal of your game. Mm -hmm. Like, do you think that Max Christie is going to shoot? I, at some point he's going to shoot, right? Everything looks perfect. It looks pristine. It's like, true. The balance is perfect. It has a high release point. Like he can shoot off of movement. Like you can uh, run him off of like a baseline screen or a pin down screen. He's going to come off and like be wrong footed and rise up and like realign in midair and be able to like make shots still. Right. So I kind of think that he's going to shoot it pretty soon. Sometimes I think that freshmen just might lose a little bit of confidence. Sometimes, you know, they're going through the grind of a college basketball season for the first time. And that can be a little bit tough on their bodies. What I will say about Max Christie, you brought up the defense. I actually thought his defense was pretty good this year. Max Christie was seen in high school as like a guy that had a reputation of being soft and of not having like a lot of toughness. I thought he was actually pretty good this year on defense, just kind of proving hey, I, I'm willing to take on tough assignments. Like he took on the toughest perimeter assignment often for Michigan State on the wing, at least. You know, Tyson Walker took on a lot of the point of attack assignments. But like, I thought Max did a pretty good job defensively. And if you can be a good defender that is six foot six and you can shoot, that's kind of what the NBA is looking for, especially if you can move off the ball and kind of create your own shots by not needing the ball in your hands. All right. All right. Fine. You don't buy any of that shit. I, do I, you? I, well, I mean, all I hear is like, Fine. all I hear is like, he he doesn't make shots, but he we hope that he will. He so might one. He day. might one day. Yeah. No, you're right. Like he's got a good look at shot. He's like, only 19. Him, well, th that brings me to the second guy I wanted to ask you about because I I think Max Christie and this guy Trevor Keels uh, had a competition this year for the 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 best looking 31 percent three point shooting <laughs> performance season of all time. Like Trevor Keels. I, I, boy, it depends on when you're watching him and 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 what you're seeing out of him because he's built like a brick shit house. He he does have a good looking jumper and he had games where he wasn't there a game where he hit five threes or something and couldn't miss. I mean, look at the final four game. I mean, he yeah. kept them in the game. But then, you, you know, he disappears for long stretches. Part of it is like Duke's makeup and like you know when when you have as many loaded guys as as they have or their their rosters is loaded. They, he you know he can kind of get lost in the shuffle from time to time. Um. I, but every time I, I watch Trevor Keels, I'm like, this man's just playing the wrong sport. But he does have a pure-looking jump shot. I can't make sense of him, Sam. I want to like him, but I don't, I don't know where to land. Yeah, like I want to like him too because I, I like the idea of a tough defensive guard who can handle the ball a little bit. He had a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio this year. Uh, pretty good passer. You know, makes pretty good decisions. I, I don't really love the shot, to be honest. I think it's just like really square like he needs to be set right before he takes it he has to be like standing still almost it feels like he can't really shoot it off of movement just kind of because of how thick he is and how thick he is through his torso and like his his hips don't seem all that flexible to me when i watch him and just with how quick the game goes in the nba it feels like that's going to be a little bit of a challenge for him. Uh, he's going to have to shoot it a little bit more off of movement, I think, in mm. order to be effective. He, he has like, he, he just looks very boxy 
when I that's watch true. Him, I, right? I I I definitely like like the part of the reason I think he has a good looking shot is because I I convinced myself he's like six ten and like you know like, like he just looks so yeah. big that you don't expect a guy built like that to be able to actually confidently rise up and take threes at the college level like he does. Um, I that that just that that just broke my brain the first time I saw Trevor Keels because I just thought he was going to put his head down and try to bowl through people, and uh, he didn't do that. Um, all right, so we're out on Trevor Keels. The other guy I wanted to ask you about was J.D. Davison at, from Alabama, who I forgot was even in this draft. And I remember in January when I was watching Bama, um, Bama was so up and down all season, and uh, it, it, it was hilarious actually, like how they would, they would beat really good teams and lose to really bad teams. Um, but even in January, I remember like J.D. Davison felt like a top twenty guy, and he he you know he very very explosive. Like he was very clearly the the best pro prospect of all of uh, uh, Alabama's guards. Uh, you know, Shackelford, Quinterly, and Davison, I, th- I think, uh, weren't exactly D. Brown and Darren Williams and Luther Head, like we, uh, we, we were hoping they might be. But uh, they had that, that, those three guards, and J.D. Davison was obviously the best. He had the dunk on Walker Kessler. He showed, he showed flashes all season, um, and, and the way we were kind of talking about him at the college level was like, this guy's going to be an NBA player for sure. And then I completely forgot he was in the draft, to be honest with you, Sam. And until I looked at your draft guy today, I was like, yeah. I'll be goddamn J.D. Davison, Th- that guy. I mm-hmm. forgot about him. So what? What's the deal? Why? Why did he fall so far? Yeah, you know it's hard because I've never really been a J.D. Davison guy. Like I don't think I ever had him in the top twenty-five mm. on my board. Uh, I've just kind of uh, he he just doesn't. He's not my kind of guy. Just in terms of the way he reads the game, like I don't think he makes quick decisions. Uh, he can't really make shots at all right now, unless he has his feet set off to catch, which is a problem given the fact that he's like a six foot two point guard and needs to be able to make pull up jumpers. Uh, I, I just yeah, like he, he's not a great processor. It feels like he doesn't really have great feel out of ball screens. He's basically just trying to like put his head down and get to the basket all the time. Uh, Doesn't have an in-between game. Doesn't have like a pull-up three. Doesn't uh, make high-level passing reads. I, he's just kind of not for me, I guess. Mm. Uh, And I I don't really think NBA teams uh, that I've talked to see him as a first rounder either. Uh, yeah, tricky one. Uh, I, I hope the best for him. It just doesn't feel like this is going to go super well. This for is the culture war, Tate. Is that is is Matt? I'm being told that Max Christie's awesome and Trevor kills JD Davison. They, they have no hope. <laughs> Get him out of my face. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're all five stars once upon a time, right? That's what matters. Yeah, I do find it fascinating, Sam. That like you know, in the NBA, we're watching the finals, right? And there's no true point guard on the court. And Steph Curry obviously is a point guard and gets people in the right positions, but. I look at the mock draft and the first real point guard, true point guard, I should say, that gets taken is Kennedy Chandler at 29, which makes me kind of work myself back. And I'm like, where does Chris Paul get taken, you know, in modern times? I mean, Mm -hmm. Kennedy Chandler weighs 172. I think Chris Paul was like 175 coming out of Wake Forest. So, like, the, the position is so different of being a true point guard. You have to have someone that can score now. So it's like if you are a Kennedy Chandler, a true point guard, Andrew Nimhard, your best bet right now it feels like is to go late first round, which I I find that to be fascinating. Or am I just projecting on this draft? No, there's definitely something to that with smaller guards. The NBA is not wildly interested right now in taking guys that are like six foot one that can't really hold up. Uh, 
defensively against these bigger wings, right? Yeah. Because so much of the NBA now is about, okay, we have Jason Tatum, we're going up against, um, you know, let's think of the Brooklyn Nets, right? Goran Dragic, Kyrie Irving, Patty Mills. Let's just get Jason Tatum switched on to one of those guys and let him rock. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a great shot. He's going to make the shot. Uh, it's either going to be a pull-up three or it's going to be a pull-up mid-range jumper. That's at least a 50% pull-up mid-range jumper because those guys can't really impact his shot. So I, I think that that's the big thing right now is that NBA teams don't have a wild interest in smaller guards. And, and you know, we have evidence of this last year with Sharif Cooper. Sharif Cooper yep. averaged like, what, 21 points and nine assists? And he went like 48th in the draft. Mm, I think that mm-hmm. Kennedy's game translates a little bit more to being a role player, but I, I do worry about what his game looks like in the NBA. And it wouldn't stun me if he fell to the second round. You have a mock to uh Memphis uh, backing up John Moran. I like that. I like that. I, I feel like that's the perfect yeah. Tyus Jones replacement. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about uh, Jeremy Sohan and uh, Kendall Brown, the two Baylor guys that, that were sort of, you know, to, to, to college basketball fans, they felt like similar guys. They felt like these two guys that showed up at Baylor on national title team and they're uh six eight, six nine. They they were good defensively, obviously. Sohan's obviously much better defensively. Um, but they they sort of felt like they played similar roles, similar stats. Kendall Brown shot it a little bit better. Um I, I, I'm certainly not making this argument. I'm just putting the, the ball on a tee for you, Sam, to explain why Jeremy Sohan <laughs> is so much higher rated in this draft than his teammate Kendall Brown when uh, a lot of people that are watching college all year probably would have, if you, if, you, if you asked the average college basketball fan, they would have probably told you they're about some, it's like they're pretty interchangeable on that Baylor team. Um, why, why do you see it so differently and why do the NBA people see it so differently? Yeah, so... I think that by the end of the year, what we saw was that Baylor was much more effective with Jeremy Sohan on the court than with Kendall Brown on the court. And, you know, as Tate will know better than anyone, that North Carolina game where Baylor almost had that crazy comeback where they were down, what what was it, Tate? Like 24, mm-hmm. 27 points, something 27. like that. The leaky back, 27. black pass. Don't forget. Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> the it's a, it's Never favorite play of the year. <laughs> Never forget the pass. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I, I think that you know, that, that, uh, that game obviously happened with Kendall Brown on the bench and Jeremy Sohan guarding, you know, Caleb Love and RJ Davis and yeah. then switching down onto Armando Baycott and dealing with him on the block, right? Uh, I think that Sohan is arguably the most switchable defender in this NBA draft class, which is uh, one of the most you know, important skills moving forward when you're looking at uh, translation toward the NBA. So uh, that that's the difference. Number one, I actually buy Sohan's jumper a little bit more than I buy Kendall Brown's. I think Kendall, it just seems like he's kind of flinging it toward the rim and doesn't have a lot of confidence in it. Uh, I think he, you know, I think Sohan handles the ball a little bit better in the open court as well. I think Kendall Brown's handle is a little bit loose with it. Uh you know, and I'll tell you this, like in big 12 play this season, I think that Baylor was something like 20 points worse when Kendall Brown was on the court than when he was on the bench, uh, which is a crazy (laughs) number. Like no one, no one else on their team was like outside of seven points positively or negatively. And Kendall Brown was like a way 
big outlier in terms of what his impact was when he was out there. I think teams just kind of stopped guarding him and he started turning the ball over a little bit and he wasn't quite as impactful defensively as what his tools are. In summation, uh, Sohan has the dog in him. I think <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the difference. I think Sohan has that dog in yeah, him. Yeah, wait, wait. He's one of the who's ones. Who's the guy who has that dog in him in this class? We, Ooh. we got to know. Ooh, who, who's, got, who's the most... Who's I think Paolo most... wants it to be him. It's <laughs> yeah. not. Um, it's not Paolo. I think it's Matherin. I think it's Benedict Matherin. I think he has yeah, the most dog like in that him. One. Matherin's a great answer, but I I felt like when every time I watched Arizona though Terry was doing the dirty work. Like Terry felt more like the the, the dirty work. You can guy. only have one dog. So what what is <laughs> I need a better definition on what it means to be the dog. I guess. <laughs> Jalen Dern. He's got that. He's dog. got the dog. <laughs> He's got that dog. Yeah. My biggest fear, Sam, is that the Hornets take Jalen Duran and Ochai Agbaji. I get really excited, and then they trade both of them for Miles Turner. And uh, and that breaks my heart. You know what I mean? That would be the worst case scenario. Yeah, he's like, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. If that would happen, no, 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 no. I'm not actually hearing that. Right, I would good, be surprised please. if that would happen. Oh, thank God. Uh, yeah, no, like I think that they're just going to take a big, and they'll figure out what to do with that second pick after. Okay, I, I think it's possible they don't make both of these picks, but. You know, we'll see what's going to happen there. Oof. Eason, he's got the dog in him. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one, right? Mm-hmm. How about Christian Brown? What? That's a sneaky, that's Chris, a sneaky wait. dog in him. Christian pick. Brown is a Pacers pick with a lot of dogs. <laughs> do I do I have Christian Brown at thirty-one to the Pacers? I actually might. Have I hope you do. Oh my right god, now. I can't remember. Oh my god, the Pacers. The, you do, Sam. You do. The the Pacers move. No, is, you have Christie. I'm sorry, you have Christie. Max Christie. Get you him out of here. Me, Get Christie out of here. Are you shitting me, Sam? <laughs> Despite Titus, Max Christie to the Pacers. <laughs> I might gonna, keep that through the draft. You should. Still fuck with you Titus. should. You yeah. should. Just, oh my God! When the Pacers take Max Christie, I'm I I'm going to take back everything I said. And I'm going to be like, lead us to the promised land, Max, <laughs> with those shots that don't go in. But okay, wait, wait. Another question. Another another important question here. Who is him? In this class. Oh, <sighs> who is him? Um, There's a lot of people that think they're him in this draft. I think Jay Nivey's him. Jay Nivey, yeah. I think yeah, it's, a good I think it's Jay Nivey. I think I think that, okay well, that that explains it. Benedict Matherin, I think, is is the him of Arizona, and Dalen Terry has that dog. <laughs> it's in the him. dog, yeah, yeah. I think Ooh, that's there. The, we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's the that's the difference there. Um, <laughs> Jay Nivey's. Can, can him. I can I also just note <laughs> sneak sneaky guy who might be him. Uh, Jabari Smith, can, can we just like remember that Jabari Smith is the guy that got a technical foul for cursing out Jim Beheim for putting that's, like someone who absolutely can't guard him on him that's uh, a great in the point. middle of their game against Syracuse? That's a great point. That's a great point. Jabari, like Jabari was was pretty fr- from my perspective when I would watch him for most of the season, he was pretty even keeled, and I I I never really felt like he was talking that much shit. <laughs> but then when he did it against Syracuse, I was like. <laughs> Whoa! This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, the, his his demeanor was never. I, I never really felt like he had the him in him, but he. he I think if he goes there. number one, he becomes him. You know, yeah. I think I think he takes it. I think he takes it on the chin. Um, what else? Mm-hmm. What else do we got for well, him? One last thing for me, Sam. Uh, we had a lot of guys. Uh, one of our friends of the program, Peyton Watson, for example, that sat out of the scrimmages and sat out some of the combine stuff. And Caleb Houston was another guy. And a lot of people said then that they were guaranteed first round picks that's why they were sitting out now i'm looking at your board they are not in the first round 
Um, so <laughs> who was who, who lying to me? And uh, where do you see those guys falling? Are they more two-way type of guys, or are they going to get drafted? Yeah, I, I think they get picked. Uh, I have Peyton a little bit higher than Caleb. I think Peyton's ability to make plays on the ball uh, as a passer and as a potential shooter, when you look at his ability in the mid range, yeah. uh, appeals to me a little bit more than Caleb, even though I think Caleb can really shoot it off of movement. Uh, I didn't really like anything else that Caleb did on tape this year, unfortunately. Uh, I, I I tend to think that promises in general uh, around combine time are much more unlikely than what they are given perceived publicity to be. for yeah. being. Yeah. Like, I, I think that it's possible that some guys get promises right after the combine and they're making draft decisions and you have to convince a guy to stay in. But like before the combine, I mean, like the only other example I can think of is like Matisse Thibel to the 76ers. Like that seemed pretty clear uh, that that was a promise kind of deal. Mm. Um, I think that I think another one oddly is Chandler Hutchison. I think he might have pulled out of the combine because they felt pretty good that the Bulls would take him uh, in that class, and that worked out for everyone. So, like, <laughs> I, I just I, I, you don't want to be I, one I of those guys. Teams are yeah. much more. Yeah, I think the teams are much more hesitant to hand out promises and then like kneecap their flexibility moving forward through the pre-draft process than people think. Mm. Um, my my last, well, no, it probably not, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> we, we haven't even talked about the Buckeye Sam. You first of all, you uh, you you play your your alma mater too close to the vest for my liking. That uh, not enough people are aware that you're a Buckeye. Um, and oh, now. Ooh. Now we have a situation, Sam, where two Buckeyes are, are going to be first round picks. Um, I, I feel like I, I'm calling you out. Like I feel like you need to be bumping these guys up like five spots higher than they should be. And I think, um, I it, like first of all, this was your fault that Malachi is in the draft in the first place because you had him on your big board, you know, way early. too soon. Yeah, you yeah. had him early. That was that was <laughs> not a good. That's not good Buckeye behavior from you. Um, you you should have sabotaged. Yeah, and then now that he's in the draft, we we got to push him to the moon. Like, is is are, are Malachi Branham and EJ Liddell guys you like? Are they guys the league likes? Uh, it, it, is it is it safe for me as a Buckeye to get excited about the 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 idea of these two guys being in the NBA for a very long time? Yeah, let's start with EJ because I'm a little bit. I've come around on EJ more than where I was early. Uh, I know a lot of people had him like in the late lottery to like midway through the season. I'd never really gotten that. I'd gotten more 20 to 40 range mm -hmm. throughout the season. And it seems like that's where people have settled probably a little bit more toward the top half of that range. I think I would be uh, surprised at this point if he didn't go in the first round. Uh, Malachi, I think I'm probably lower than anyone else in the public sphere oh, on him. What? What? I was the first one. Cut this part, Jim. Jim, cut all this out. <laughs> yeah. This dude loves Max Christie uh, and hates Malachi Branham. Why do we have him on the show, Jim? Who booked this man? Let me be clear. I have I have Malachi ahead of Max Christie, mm. but. I think marginally compared to everyone else who does my job in the public sphere, I'm probably a little bit lower on Malachi. Uh, 
you watched Ohio State as much as I did, Mark. Like, I did. There were a bunch of times where they had to like play offense defense for him late in games because he didn't know what he was Sam, doing. Shut up, defense. dude. Shut up. He's a killer pull-up scorer. Yeah. Absolutely killer pull-up scorer. He's really skinny right now, but he's tough. Like he really tries to drive and play through contact and be physical. Uh there he's a real chance to be a three-level scorer in a way that a lot of guys don't he's, really have. I'm scared he doesn't have that dog in him no he's 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 very very smooth huh? he's he's got uh, yeah I'm, I'm gonna challenge that too sam he's got the dog in him yeah you think so you i think, think so? he's got the dog in him right. i just think he's uh he's so good he's so gifted naturally gifted offensively that i think um you know he's how, how come like every freshman sucks at defense and that's not a problem sam but now all of a sudden it's a problem that malachi branham wasn't great defensively no Shut up. I would I would like him to at least be able to stay on the court defensively, I think is where I'm at. Like, I'm okay if he's not very good at it. I just would like the level to be commensurate with staying on the court so that you can be like a 17-point-per-game scorer. How many timeouts do NBA teams get? We're at the end. Can't we just like do offense, defense, call time? Like, Malachi Branham scores, call timeout, <laughs> sub him out. Dalen Terry comes in for <laughs> just keep him. Call, yeah, just keep calling timeout and sub him out. Um, what else you got, Tate? Is that it? Can we uh, let this man go. Yeah, go we get can some let him sleep. Go. Yeah. How Honestly, good is, how good there is was so much draft stuff. I'm just like, I, I was telling Ty, I feel like we crammed and there's a million questions. We could talk to you for like 14 I know, days. we really could. Wait, wait, wait too early 2023 <laughs> draft. Uh, Wimban Yama, how good is he? Is he is he really that good? Yeah, look, I was like a little bit skeptical early on because uh, I tend not to be someone that loves these like seven foot three super giant guys. I just worry about them breaking down. Mm-hmm. He's, he's really good. He's, really good. <laughs> he's like, he's special. He is something that is entirely different than anything that is in this class, for instance. Uh, he is, he's like creating step back pull up jumpers as a seven foot three, 235 pound uh, guy at 18 years old playing in Euro League. And you're just like, what am I watching right now? This is, it's like watching Rudy Gobert if he had like a step back pull up. Oh my <laughs> it's God. Like, wait. <laughs> How does this exist? <laughs> should we? Should I text Holtman and tell him to recruit him? Mm-hmm. Get on it. Yeah. Yeah. Fly should, over okay, there. Okay, <laughs> Give him the big offer. Yeah. Have you well, been the yeah, Columbus if, kid? Yeah, if Wimbenyama <laughs> is so good, why is he not proving it in the Big Ten? I guess that's my only question. I guess is, is he scared? He's scared. Yeah. Is he scared? Like, is that what it is? Has he ever? Has he ever flown to West Lafayette? Yeah. And had to play at Mackey. No. Front of the paint crew. Yeah. Oh, where do you have Baron Trump Can't on your big him. board? Um, in in a few drafts. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, he's number one on Jay's big board. <laughs> definitely, definitely has the genes for height. You know, Trump's a pretty big guy. So, uh, you know, I, I worry about hand size, obviously. You know, not like Curry Eason sized hands. Yeah, I have a little bit of concerns there, but yeah, you know, big, big time on the board for sure. Jim, you had something before we, before you let Sam go. Oh, yeah. Um, is it true that you're the best? mock drafter because you live in Australia and with the time change, the NBA draft already happened. (laughs) (laughs) Has the NBA draft already happened in Australia? Yeah, You're in the future, right, Sam? (laughs) Yeah, I am in the future. That's how this works. Like it's, I, the funny thing is my computer is actually set to uh, Pacific time right now where you guys are. So it's Tuesday, 441 on my computer. So I actually don't know what time it is in Australia right now. I just know it's Wednesday. That's, that's <laughs> it's just a different day. <laughs> I have no idea what time. Just a different day. It's just Wednesday of some sort. Also, Sam, do you know some of the greatest novels that had 
less words than your NBA draft preview? Do you want to hear some? <laughs> Please go ahead. Uh, the Great Gatsby. <laughs> Uh, yeah. The first two Harry Potters, <laughs> Catcher in the Rye, yeah. Catcher in the Rye, 1984 by George Orwell. <laughs> Salinger just wasn't trying hard. Yeah. Yeah. Salinger wasn't trying yeah, he hard. He mailed it in. Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Lord of the Flies, War of the Worlds. Yeah. My God, separate piece. Mark Twain's Adventures of Tom Sawyer. <laughs> oh <laughs> wow, the Scarlet Letter. Stephen King's Carrie, Brave New World, and lastly, Anne Frank's Diary. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. You wrote dude. more words than all of those books. How, how many of those books have you guys read? Uh, I read the Harry Potters. Which, which yeah. house? Go. Let's go. Okay. Oh, so man. for the second half of this podcast, let's go through each prospect. Oh, yeah. Which house? Which Harry Potter house? Lock it in. Jeremy Sohan, Slytherin. Um, Sam, go get some sleep. Go get a beer. Go do both at the same time. Uh, you've earned it. Um, that's uh, your, your, your watch has ended. We're, we're sleep done until with Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it, man. We pre we know you're busy. We appreciate it. Uh, if, if you listen, uh, those of you listening to the show, please, for love of God, go go help Sam out. He he's he's the absolute best in the business. Um, he kills it every single year. That's why we have him on. That's why we just basically made him the entire show. Because uh, can you imagine us two slapdicks talking about this stuff without having <laughs> Sam here to help us? Um, go go check out the Athletic. Go check out Game Theory Podcast. Please do it. Uh, we love you, Sam. Thanks, Thanks for joining Sam. us, man. Yeah, of course, guys. Anytime. Thanks, buddy. All right, thanks again to Sam Vecini for uh, spending some time with us. Uh, really means a lot. We love having him on. Um, before we get to shout-outs, close out state, we promised people MJ versus LeBron debate. Mm. How do you see it? MJ. Same. All right, shout-outs, <laughs> closeouts. What do you got? Uh, I wanted to shout-out uh, Johnny Basketball, a.k.a. Johnny Davis, because we just did an entire uh you know draft break yeah who did we snub the most and we definitely snubbed johnny davis and i i feel like there's some wisconsin fans out there that are like how could you not talk about this man he was electric he already has a taco bell commercial in fact when we asked who is him johnny davis was uh my dark horse answer to be him i'm not saying he's going to be that guy but i think he might be one of those yeah. ones so yeah. I, I, shout out to johnny davis that's I a good call he's that. already got a taco bell commercial yeah he's that's already a, out here he's already out here he, he's the biggest snub from yeah just we, we, we didn't that. talk about the uh, my two favorite Duke players, AJ Griffin and Mark Williams. Either. I know we yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, those two guys are like if if the Hornets took those two guys, I'm really but happy. You said it to Sam as we were wrapping up. I mean, for for God's sakes, you could talk about we could talk to him for five hours. Yeah. And uh, you know, maybe one day we will. <laughs> maybe one of these draft years when he's not writing so much, you know, we get we I, when his draft guide clocks in at seventy five thousand words, we'll uh, we'll be able to have Sam on a little longer. And we also like forgot to mention that he did his so he has tiers obviously uh and there is no tier one there's prospect. no tier ones yeah i forgot to mention that yeah. so if you're just catching up there are no tier one prospects. we should have called him out for that because that's that that's seems hilarious. a little cowardly <laughs> oh it's also hilarious i mean it may, his explanation makes sense as to why he didn't do it but it's like how can the starting tier be tier two mm. that, that that that's some jimmy dyke shit where yeah. jimmy dykes is like here's how i see these teams here's here's the team's flying coach it's the team's flying business class, but not the life flat seats. No life flat seats here. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's a different yeah, yeah, yeah. The plane just keeps updating. Um, my my first shout out. I want to uh, shout out the uh, the late Caleb Swanigan. Tate news broke today mm. uh, as we're recording this on a Tuesday that Caleb Swanigan uh, passed away. And um, you know, the, the, it's not it's not really in the tenor of our show to kind of mourn the loss of guys and 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 pour one out for guys and all that sort of stuff. But Caleb Swanigan is an exception because this man was inspiring to say the least. He was 
Um, my 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 immediate thoughts, and I I think I replied to like Purdue's account on Twitter or something. I think I said this, but like this is what like I've as I've thought of Caleb Swanigan all day. This is the thought that kept coming back to my mind was as a Big Ten guy myself um, that cheers for basically every Big Ten team except for Purdue and Michigan, um, or has some sort of tie to all of them. Uh, Caleb Swanigan was one of the rare people that was so good and so likable that even Indian, every Indiana fan I know that I respect loved Caleb Swanigan. Mm-hmm. They absolutely loved him. All the Ohio State fans loved Caleb Swanigan. Everyone in the conference loved Caleb Swanigan, and Caleb Swanigan kicked your ass. Like, he averaged 19 and 13 a game. You know how rare that is, you know? Like, to have a guy Big that's Ten like... Big Ten Player of the Year. I mean, To be Big Ten Player yeah. of the Year, dominating every single... All, all these teams, and yet he had their, not only the respect, but, like, people were cheering for him. People liked him. Um, and, and that's very, very hard to do. And that's kind of like, it, that would be Caleb uh, Swanigan's legacy to me is I'll remember like how hard he worked at Purdue. He was just like, it was insane. He was on another level, hunting rebounds and, and posting up. And I, I remember like being inspired to do like a film breakdown when I, I uh, uh, when I was at uh, Grandland at the time, or we were at the Ringer, whenever it was maybe in between the uh, the switchover. Um, but I re- I remember calling the bosses and be like, I got to do something on Caleb. So I want to do like a film breakdown. I don't even, I don't even do film breakdowns, mm-hmm. but like I would watch Caleb Swanigan fight so hard for rebounding position and post position, play so hard, be a great teammate. He could shoot the three. He's one of my favorite college basketball players ever, and uh, I I'm truly heartbroken to to see the news today. So I just wanted to <coughs> say that because um. I don't know. It's it's it sucks. There's no other way around it. So in his story, I mean, the basketball was like you said, it was a separate version. Like it was stardom. You could see it, but I mean, he grew up homeless. Yeah, this guy literally. Went, he went to 13 different schools by the age of 13. He was adopted by his AAU coach. Yeah, that is how like he came into this basketball life of his. He ends up being Mister Basketball of Indiana, as yep. you know. That's a huge thing. He's a McDonald's All American. He's a first round pick. I mean, the the story of Caleb Swanigan to to go from being, I mean, this isn't poor. This is desolate. His what he came yeah. from and, and what he became, and uh, you know, he was one of those guys that you and I. And anyone that watched him, there's no way that you came away not having an affinity for him. As as a basketball player, then you learn the story behind the basketball player, and you're like, my God, I mean, this kid, this kid is on another level. There are a lot of guys that have come through the Big Ten uh, in my lifetime that I've I've said I'll never forget that guy. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, to be completely honest, I've probably forgotten like seventy percent of those guys that I've said that about. Caleb Swan again, I will ten million percent. I I I mean, he was special, man. He was he was. He's on the, uh, if I'm putting together Purdue Mount Rushmore, he's on it. I don't know who, I'll, I yeah. mean, Glenn Robinson's on it. He's on it. John Wooden would probably have to be on it, but John Wood, I would give John Wooden so many buckets, dude. Like, I really would. John, John Wood or Bob Cousy, who you got? Carson Edwards has probably got to be on it. Jaden Ivey's got, but so if you, if my you, Mount Rushmore is John Wooden, Glenn Robinson, Caleb Swanigan, Carson Edwards, and Jaden Ivey. It's those, those five on my four-person Mount Rushmore. There it is. Locked in. <laughs> Chad Austin, Brian if, Cardinal, if you, Brad Miller. Yeah, if you go also, back, though, to 2016, 2017, we're doing one shining podcast. We talk about Caleb Swanigan just ad nauseum because oh, that's yeah. how much yeah. he was dominating college basketball. In the he, was, he was he was magnetic. He was yeah. like, like if 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 he was on television, I was watching it because he, he would just like, like I said, like he he wasn't flashy per se, but he could do it all. And uh, I don't know, man, he he he, he embodied Purdue basketball. You know, like he—he's one of those guys that, if you—if you never had a, a name on the front of his jersey and you just watched him play, and you—you you know, he goes like an NBA draft combine site, and you just watch him through the combine, and you had to pick what school that guy went to. It's like Purdue. You could just tell. You yeah. can tell by the way he plays. Yeah. 
<laughs> he plays he's his ass player. off. Yeah. yeah, and he uh, and he's got a good looking jump shot. That's pretty much it. <laughs> um, Robbie Hummel probably belongs on the Mount Rushmore too. And nah. Etwan Moore <laughs> and Jawan Johnson too. So put those guys on there as well. Uh, all right, moving on. Anything else? Uh, quickly, I said this at the start of the show, but uh, you know we're a basketball podcast, and there's a basketball movie that's uh, I think number one in the world or globally on Netflix. I don't know how that works, but Hustle. If you haven't seen it, Adam Sandler movie. I've not uh, seen it. A little skeptical. I had a friend of mine force me to watch it while I was at my house. He was like, I'm putting on Hustle. You're going to like the movie. I'm like, Ugh, you know, I don't want to see this. I really, I, I, really? I, I enjoyed it. You know, and I'm it's not good. saying it was groundbreaking. I'm not saying it was, you know, one of the best basketball movies I've ever seen, but it's good. It's fun. It's good to see the Sixers, you know what I mean? And, and you know, it, it's good to see Adam Sandler have a good time. So Jim also agreed. He actually liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. I thought Anthony Edwards was great in it. Anthony he Edwards is so amazing. He's awesome. Yeah. He, but, uh, Ant-Man, to- Giannis is my number one investment as far as, like, I put my life on this guy being an all-time great. My number two, I put my life, this guy's going to be an all-timer, Anthony Edwards. Which is hilarious because on on – we're doing our draft show. I the one thing I re, I know most about Anthony Edwards, like even even after the great run he's had so far in the NBA, you say Anthony Edwards, the first thing that comes to mind is him saying, "I don't even like basketball." And <laughs> yeah, the draft, yeah. you know? Well, he said he likes <laughs> he it goes, now. He's, he's, and then he's he goes number one it. overall, he's and I was like, "This guy's gonna it. suck," and he's amazing. And uh, that uh, Anthony Edwards taught me that pre-draft interviews mean nothing. Are dumb. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. stupid. Because yeah. he's like, I don't want to be here. And you also realize <laughs> that Ant Man's funny, you know what I mean? So like he yeah. says stuff just to say stuff. Well, hustle's good. I'll have to watch it. Yeah, it's good. Know. The one problem I had with it though was there is a montage where it shows all these like talking heads talking about where'd this guy come from, like this star international yeah. player. And I was waiting for you guys to pop up and hate on the guy, being like, <laughs> yes. he didn't play college basketball. Yeah, yeah. Guy sucks. <laughs> yeah he could never make it in the ACC. Yeah. Who's Bo Cruz? He couldn't <laughs> handle. He yeah. couldn't handle that crowd in Lubbock. There's no way Bo, that Texas Tech Bo crowd couldn't would, play yeah. at Wake They Forest. needed haters in there, and you guys should have been. We should have been haters. Been oh, we're, we're haters. For I don't hire. know why they didn't Hustle show too. one person. Uh, quickly, on. my my final shout outs: Bob McKillop retired from yep. Davidson. Mr. K to Davidson. I mean, a lot think? of people were saying Bob McKillop to the Hornets and then recruit Bob Steph McKillop Curry to the Hornets. Yeah, I think I think when Mr. K gets the itch to to coach again and uh, he tries to supplant John Shire and it doesn't work, it backfires. He ends up at Davidson. On a serious note, if Michael Jordan hires Roy Williams to be the coach of the Hornets, <laughs> how much does Coach K put his name in for the LA job? The LA, any, LA any job? LA job. He's like, I'll coach the Clippers. I'll coach the Lakers. Like, we're good. We he have coaches. A, he sends a fax to so the NBA that says LA out. job. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing? K to LA? Question mark. That's what we need. Uh, speaking of North Carolina, Pete Nance to North Carolina. Are they, your, are they your preseason number one? Have you guys officially won the offseason now? I think we are the national champions of the offseason, but we also don't want to be. So we will pass that to Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Congratulations to Gonzaga. Give it to you Creighton, it dude. Let Creighton win the offseason. Creighton can't win it. That's a great thing, though. You have thing, to qualify. Though. You have <laughs> to qualify. Great, Creighton would be the most. We will never give Creighton it. anything. Creighton, I oh know that's true, but Creighton, Creighton of all the teams that are in the running to win the offseason national championship, Creighton is the team that would actually hang. A Can banner. we bring Memphis back? <laughs> I want Memphis back. I like them. They're my favorite offseason champ. Finally, my last thing is uh, Joey Baker to Michigan. Is he finally going to get his senior day? Is he finally going to get his senior day? I mean, that's what we're all waiting on. The guy deserves a senior day. I actually really like Joey Baker. I think he could be a really good player if he went to a, you know, underneath a coach that could actually coach. I think he would have really blossomed. So we'll see what happens. Which we'll see, yeah, we'll see if I hate him at Michigan. I didn't hate him yeah. at Duke. I felt bad for him. Um, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. 
That's all I'll say. I'll give him a chance. We'll I'll give him a chance. I'll give him a chance too. I'll, I'll pull for Joey Baker. I like Duke Defectors. Uh, that's it. I think that's the show. We're gonna do a uh, a show on Thursday after the draft. So we're gonna watch the draft. We're gonna. Uh, I'm 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 coming over to your place, right? We're gonna yeah. watch the draft together and then do a immediate reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's just do deal. it to the first round. Yeah, maybe we we'll just do the draft during the second round. We should just do it after Jaden Ivey goes. Yeah, exactly. After the Pacers pick, after yeah. the Hornets pick their first round. After pick. the Hornets trade the 15th pick, <laughs> yeah. I think we we'll start just go our live. show. Yeah. Uh, but we we got that. We're gonna do that uh, that on Thursday. So we'll see you guys in.